everyone, how's it going? Welcome to the Know Your Gear QA podcast number 299. Almost 300. Almost, almost 300 episodes. Crazy. This is crazy. Um, all right, this one came from Vimps69 who says, Phil, when YouTube demonetizes a video, do they take all the Super Chat money too? Question mark. If so, is there another way that we can tip you? Question mark. Okay, so let me go ahead and share what that's about. So last week's show was demonetized. In fact, I'll see if I can go in and share with you some some stuff. This may not be interesting, so I won't spend a lot of time on it. I just want to uh, let you know why something like that might happen. So what what does that mean, uh, demonetized? Um, it means that basically last week's show, uh, I got a message from YouTube, I think Friday night, it could have been early Saturday morning. I don't really remember exactly when it happened. I just remember it wasn't that long after the show and it's YouTube and they send you a message saying, Hey, you have your, your, uh, this video has been deemed not suitable for most or all advertisers and that it'll be restricted and, uh, kind of like demonetized that way. And it says, if you think this is an error, please make adjustments to your video. In other words, you can remove stuff. After a video has been posted, you can actually edit, delete stuff out. And uh, th- that's basically what they're telling you to do is like delete out the thing that was getting you demonetized and uh, and then let us know. Or just let us know you're not going to do that. And you can ask for a manual uh, pass, which is like a person with their own eyeballs on it. And uh, they'll ver- verify if there's a problem. So I asked for the verification and then they came back and said, yeah, it's uh, demonetized. So uh, the question from Vimps was, uh, do they, uh, when that happens, how does that work? Well, the super chats, so you guys know, when you guys super chat me, I'm jumping around screens, I really apologize. Uh, When you super chat me, um, the deal is the same deals with everything with YouTube. YouTube gets like 40 something percent. They say 40, but let's just round that up because it's like 40 and then fees. So like I said, on a super chat, if you know, $5, $5, you, I might see 250 of that, right? Um, so I say half. That's the best way to look at it because that's how it kind of feels. Keep in mind, there's really no really accurate accounting. Google doesn't really give you a whole lot of accurate accounting. They kind of give you like, this is what you made. And you're like, sure. <laughs> um, so no, with the Super Chats, they're not messing with that. And so you understand, that's why most shows on podcasts like this, whether on uh, you know iTunes or uh, like we are Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, you know Pandora, you name it, and then of course on YouTube, they need sponsors because the ad revenue, the revenue that you get, is not a whole lot. Um, so to 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 say that I got demonetized isn't really the issue in the idea that this is sponsored by patrons and members. So this is just like a normal show, like you know any other podcast that has a a corporate type spend, uh, a sponsor. We just have. Uh, viewer sponsorship, which I think is unique and cool. But, but what does that really mean? Let me show you. I'll, I'll share with you guys because maybe you guys care about this stuff if if you're curious. I always like this kind of stuff because it kind of tears rumors down and kind of puts hard facts into it. So what I'm going to share with you is uh, some metrics here, if you don't mind, right here. And you're looking at actual stats. These are my actual stats uh, numbers. And so what you really want to pay attention to is not to this where it says here, you know, there's been limited and re- restricted uh, from from advertising. The ad suitability was the issue. The issue is really this. Look here, we got uh, if you go, you go down, 
you'll see. Okay, let's just look back a little bit. I got a show that's got 42,000, 37,000, 52,000, 77,000, 58,000, 192,000, 44,000, 48,000, and then last week's show, 26,000, which is about 10,000 below normal. So, uh, demonetized, <laughs> see, I'm laughing because you're going to laugh in a second too. Demonetized is like, I probably lost, I could have lost up to a hundred dollars. I'm not exaggerating. That's probably the revenue lost. The difference between that 26,000 and maybe 36 to 38,000 could be as high as a hundred dollars to me in my pocket. And it could be as low as, you know, 30 bucks. So, I mean, when you're crying the river of like, oh, they took the money, uh, it's not, you know, nothing. I don't want to say that's nothing. I'm just saying it's not like, wow, huge. What happens, though, as you saw, is because they're not monetizing it, they're not sharing it either. <laughs> so YouTube isn't helping uh, share the video. Uh, they're uh, more in inclined to uh, share videos that are monetized that can fully be monetized and make money. So that's kind of what happened with that. Now, uh, I made a post about this. You guys knew. I just, uh, knew what happened. I just want everybody to know what happened uh, so in case they saw something a little strange because um, I'm already seeing comments like, hey, I didn't even see the show got published last week and all of a sudden now I'm finding it. It's, yeah, you won't get notified because they're suppressing it because it's not monetized. I'm just letting you guys know so you guys check that out. Um, this episode will probably be also demonetized uh, because whatever it is, the subject matter, which seems to be Whatever it is, it seems like we're talking about it tonight again. So it'll be demonetized again. Hey, it's you know it's funny. It's part of the it's part of the gig, man. Um, I see a lot of people get upset about it. I, I don't get upset about it. It's not. Uh, I've in, uh, insulated the channel uh, in a way that it can survive this kind of stuff, and that's like I said through through you guys. You guys have the support. So. Until you guys tell me there's a problem, i.e. The, the patrons, members, the people who are supporting financially tell me, hey, this is something, an issue with the show. That's kind of really the that's really the, the issue there. So if you guys say, hey, I like the show, and then YouTube suppressed it, I'm like, oh, then we, we won. <laughs> so I am just wanted to share with you guys. Um, uh, Mike says, do they tell you why? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, generally speaking, though, uh, and again, I, again, not to, I can't tell you for a fact because they don't tell you exactly. In fact, what they give you is a list that's so long and vague that it could be anything from, you know, anything, to be honest with you. Um, usually, though, for them to hit it that fast, um, it's the title. They didn't like the title. Last week's title was originally called whatever the question was, which was, uh, you know, do YouTube reviews uh you know, in, you know, change the pricing, you know, of, of, of gear. Um, the, the video was uh, then changed not for the demonetization reasons. It was changed because it was a better title. The title that flew, that kind of rolled off the lips a little better was do YouTube reviews increase the price of gear? Um, a little faster. It wasn't so long. Um, sometimes when your title is really long, you know, it's half of it. You can't see it when you're scrolling and then you're, you'll lose out. And we wanted to maximize clicks um, because the fact that we knew it was being suppressed. So if any of you could want to click on it, that was like kind of like, let's make that as enticing as possible. So they don't tell you why. We can assume that it was probably the title, something about YouTube criticizing the YouTube platform and maybe some way, maybe that's what did it. Um, who knows? Who knows? 
some people said it's a freedom of speech thing. I don't really think so. I mean, I think advertisers have the right to put their ads next to whatever they want. And if it's deemed that some advertisers don't want to advertise next to it, it's fine. But my real concern is whether or not you guys get the people who want to watch the show get notified that it exists. So uh, that's why we have www.yourgearpodcast.com. So you can go do it and find it there. So if you feel like YouTube is suppressing the show on you, well, then go to the website and you'll, there'll be links and stuff there. So, so there you go. <laughs> and so, you know, it's not un- uncommon. I'm sure you hear it all the time from YouTube channels. It's not uncommon to be de- demonetized for all kinds of reasons. Everything from copyright strikes to, you know, everything. You name it. It's, uh, it's, been, it's been hit. Okay. Um, all right. Let's, uh, but that's also, uh, means I think actually, and I said I would be brief and then I'd take it forever. I also think that means we're doing the right thing here. I kind of feel, feel like if you're too, I don't want to say not edgy, but if you're, if you're, if you're not, you know, I, I basically, I think if we're, if we're not, if we're sugarcoating too much, if no one gets offended, if no one is unhappy with what's said on the platform, Again, this isn't a show about upsetting people or shaking the industry. But, I mean, obviously, it's a, it's trying to be truthful and upfront. And if you're truthful and upfront, something's got to land wrong, right? It can't all be like, you know, kittens and puppies. Okay. Uh, we have questions. Let's get to some questions. Let's do some early riser questions. Uh James says, so Phil, if Fender can change their limited status, I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I already know what this is. Okay, if their limited status of the production amount of the Marlin Blue Her Strat uh, can't Badlands increase the GX1 uh, amounts also. Okay, so what is this? Uh, James, um, I wouldn't have saw it, but I, I saw um, Gatologist SPF, SPF. I'm trying not to say the bad word SPF show today. And, uh, and, uh, one of the subjects I was interested in was that subject. Cause I, I, I knew he had talked about it before. And also I was new, I was available and I was really curious cause I had a really different take than maybe his cause, uh, you know, I'm, I'm such a gear nerd. Everything goes to gear ner- nerd in my mind for me. So, um, so if you guys don't know, let's, uh, let's actually look, I'll share it with you guys. Um, I'm going to see what this is because uh, I didn't find anybody talking about this one particular thing. And I could be wrong because, you know, hey, uh, yeah, let's just pull up. Uh, let's just pull it up here. OK, so let me share this with you guys. All right. What we have here is the uh, Fender Limited Edition Her Strat and uh, in, in Marlin Blue and Blue Marlin. OK, and. Uh, the importance of this is they were going to do 300. That is confirmed. Uh, the, not only did I see the guitologist do it, but I saw somebody else confirm that it was published that they were making 300 of these limited edition guitars. Uh, looks like they were made in Mexico for 1349. And then shortly thereafter, the verbiage changed to limited to orders taken in 2023. And there could be, and what's re- really interesting is that could have been a typo mistake, which it doesn't, doesn't look like that's the case. Okay. 
um, because of, and again, we can't rule that out. So we're not saying, it's just saying, it's, if I was going to bet, I would bet that it wasn't the case. I would bet that they changed something. And there could be some reasons why. And of course, it could be because maybe they don't think they're going to sell 300 now and they want to drag it out and see how long, you know, right? Maybe make 50 and not look embarrassed. That is a, that's a potential answer. I'm going to go over the potential, all of them. There is another answer that is interesting to me. And it's because if you look at this guitar, this is essentially a flip-flop finish. See here? See the purple fades to blue? Like the Pierre, uh, like the Paul Reed Smith, John Mayer Nebula. And then I was like looking at this, and I thought this when it first came out. I thought, you know, this is a smart, smart move. It's so smart. Um, here's why. Uh, if, if it is smart, <laughs> it could be just dumb luck, right? It, but if it is, a, if it is a, a tactical uh, marketing move from Fender, it's a genius one. Basically, what you do is you go, look, what's the, what's the most iconic? If there's one Paul Reed Smith Silver Sky right now that is iconic, it's that Nebula one. I mean, they went for crazy, crazy money, $6,000 for one. And they're not making them anymore, right? Those were discontinued. So it makes sense for Fender to A, make a Nebula flip-flop finished guitar because uh, let's face it, it's just flip-flop paint that you can get on anything. I mean, Kiesel has it as a standard option, almost all their models. Um, get you, you do a model with that and then you put an artist next to it because then it doesn't look like you're just flat out going, everybody's not going to go out flat out and go, oh, well, Fender's just making a Nebula now. You can go, no, no, this is her, the artist, uh, is is this is her guitar <laughs> this is her signature guitar a limited edition just like the john mayer and so here's why i'm really curious if that is the case my gut instinct when i saw it was they were going to sell those 300 in a minute because you have all these players that really kind of want that nebula flip-flop finish and here's a fender for I dare not say affordable, obtainable priced. I mean, thirteen fifty is a lot of money, but not compared to the crazy uh, Susan's like, what's flip-flop paint? It's sometimes referred to as chameleon paint. It has another name, an official name for it. It means that when you, as you turn it, if you guys remember I did the Ibanez guitar, it does that too. As you turn the guitar, the, the finish changes chameleonly. It goes through like green to purple to blue, right? So sometimes referred to as a flip-flop finish. And then I forget the official name. Somebody will put it in the... Um, uh, you know, put the original, uh, there's a real name for that paint. So, uh, put that in the comments if you guys know it for everybody. Um, anyways, my point is they could have sold the 300 out and in a minute and then thought, Whoa, we're onto something really big. Let's, uh, let's ride this out for the rest of the year and then put it for 2023 to see how many orders they get from dealers throughout the year. So that could be the thing too. So, why did this come up? Well, this came up because <laughs> James said, what, what, basically, a Fender can change the status and say, hey, it was limited. Uh, you know, why can't Badlands? Um, this is a great idea. One, I would just say on the ethics on that alone, I wouldn't do that. Okay? So let's just say that. Okay? Um, and so you understand, that's kind of, I kind of painted that corner for Badlands on my video when I said, we expected to sell, you know, three and we can sell maybe 50. Um, and uh, the reality was, I think I talked about this. We had the discussion, all of us. There was, uh, you know, the entire team uh, that, that work on the guitars, that build the guitars, that, you know, manage the dues, you know, everything from who does the uh, the uh, internet, uh, the website and the social media. And we said, 
Uh, well, why not? Hey, why not 60 before we officially close the doors on the 50? And here's the reality. We just physically can't make more than 50. I mean, there's just no way to physically make them and get them turned around in the time we promised and hit all the promises that we made, which were many <laughs> promises that we made about the quality and everything. So, I mean, it was just like, okay, we can't do it. So then there was a secondary discussion about what about doing a second run? In other words, not so much, uh, you know, maybe do 50 and then three months later, open up another 50 and then call it, right? Because we can retire at any time. And uh, the reality is, is that um, one, it's again, it's an ethics thing. You know, it's like, look, we said max is 50. We got 50 orders. That's really pushing it. We could come up with reasons. We can come up with reasons in our head why we should try to push it to you know more. And uh, but realistically, it's what we said, and we were. And like I said, we feel confident fifty is a good number to build, and that we can manage that. Um, and trust me. And just also so it doesn't come up later is like, oh, so you guys thought about making even though you said you only do fifty. Um, our concern was we turned down about fifty offers, our fifty other orders. So again, uh, you know, you're sitting there in a meeting. You have to you have to discuss all the ideas. And of course, one of the problems is our you know if you shut down a line of limited edition instruments, when you have as many orders that you can't you know are attempted orders as you have orders, you might have a problem with your secondary market getting you know kind of like the scalping thing going where the people are. Uh, oh, by the way, Abe says it's Chroma Flare. There you go. Thank you, guys. Simon says Chroma Flare as well. Thank you. Uh, and so then we were like, well, how do we stop that? And, uh, you know, we decided, look, it's our first run. Let's just do the 50. We said we'd do 50. We'll figure it out from there. <laughs> you know what I mean? We'll go in the next run and, and, and figure it out. Um, so, uh, so that's why. That's Aunt James. That's why your question is. Uh, that's what the that's why we can't do that. Badlands can't do that. Fender, they can do whatever they want. That's on them. Uh, I think it's obviously another bad optics issue with them. I hope it's just a misprint, but who knows? You know, the good news is, um, like I always tell you guys, the artists don't receive a whole lot of money for these guitars. Um, you know, and so. Uh, at least more guitars mean she gets paid more because she gets a royalty from that. So good for her. Good for the artist. I think the artist should be supported when they do co these collabs. Um, I know sometimes it's so easy to get on the artists uh, and be like, there. you know, all the things that I hear on the internet or see on the internet about artists uh, being greedy. And the reality is, uh, you know, having no skin in that game, in other words, as I'm not an artist and I haven't done licensing as an artist and I don't license, you know, uh, we don't license guitars with artists. It's not something that's in our business model. It's, it's, it's going to happen. Um, I find I see more companies taking advantage when they can than the artists. And I'm not saying, I don't want to point fingers. Uh, you know, artists aren't perfect either, but, 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 you know, more times than not, you see kind of like the guitar companies taking advantage um, that I see of the artist than the artist the other way around. That's just my opinion for whatever it's worth. And uh, so I like seeing the artist come out ahead. And I think she's coming out ahead in this deal. And the guitar looks great. So order one. <laughs> Why not? It's pretty cool. So, um, although I'd like to point out that for a little bit more, you can get a Delos in that Chroma Flare paint job. And uh, I think that's obviously my choice. So uh, 3J Music says, Hey, Phil, have you ever kept a piece of gear or kept something unmodified? 
strictly for the sake of for video of videos. For example, not changing out a speaker or pickup so that it can be accurate. Uh, yeah, let me let me make sure this is clear because sometimes you know you, there's a YouTube presence. You know, I make content, and the content sometimes becomes even my own, even my closest friends seem to confuse sometimes the content I make and and what my personal life is. <laughs> Because, <laughs> like I said, it's, uh, you know, because it's really the same person. I'm the same person both sides. I don't really change, you know, when I'm not on YouTube. I'm pretty much the same. But obviously what I do on YouTube is more for viewership and then less for me, right? I'm not really sharing a whole lot of things about me all the time. So reason why I say that is in the majority of my guitars, like look, look at some guitars behind me. And again, let's just take a look. I'll look at the screen. Uh, so that GNL is unmodified. That Charvel is modified. It's been painted in new pickups. The PRS behind me is not modified. The Floyd Rose guitar is not, not, not modified. The uh, Delos Kiesel is not modified. The Beltone, the other Kiesel, the other Kiesel, the Nags, the Gibson, this Fender, this uh, Dean Electro. There's another Fender, Ibanez. None of those guitars are modified. So out of all these guitars, I only have one guitar that's modified. So the reason I say that is I don't really modify my own guitars a lot. You got to think of it like exactly. And, and again, this is just for the analogy's sake. Think of me like a mechanic, okay? I work on cars all day. I show you how to fix your car. And when I go home, the last thing I want to do is work on my cars, okay? Um, I got into this because I love doing this. And then I turned what I love doing into making money, which is, you know, fixing people's guitars and modifying them and, and doing that. And then that later translations into showing people, which is on YouTube. Um, but once your job becomes the thing you love, you don't tend to do that all the time. Like, um, like I don't really mod my own guitars at night going, Oh, this is cool. Cause to me, it's like, Oh, I should film this. And if I'm doing that, then I'm working so to speak. Um, so I don't mod a whole lot of my own instruments. So that's the first thing, uh, to point out. Um, so, but the point of his question was more so not about, you know, which ones I mod, don't mod. He wanted to know if I, I purposely don't modify something for the sake of video. And I actually have a great, uh, uh, example of that my 65 deluxe reverb reissue that I've owned before I've had my channel. I bought that amp used for $350. Um, boy, that feels like a, I feel like back in my day, I can get a Coke for a quarter, (laughs) right? By the way, kids, I could get a Coke for a quarter. (laughs) so anyways um so uh that amp i bought used and it came with a british greenback selection in it that's what's in it that was was originally in it and i would do um my review videos early with it and then one day i thought okay well now everybody's gonna be like well i don't know what that amp sounds like with a greenback selection especially an old one because it was really old and it sounds amazing <laughs> especially in that amp and uh it it uh it, it it hurt my soul to do this but i did it i took that speaker out and i put the stock i had to buy one online a stock the stock jensen that comes in that amp back in that amp this was in there now it's a good speaker i have no issues with that um however that greenback uh selection is sitting in a little uh, box like a selection speaker box a cardboard box and um the day i don't use that amp for youtube videos that speaker's going back in it <laughs> in fact sometimes i go oh i should put it back in there and just start disclosing hey now it's got a greenback selection in it but um so yeah sometimes you you don't want your stuff modded um for videos another example of that is sometimes you guys see me using some of my guitars that i love uh in videos and a lot of them have 
like a my pickup, a pickup that I wound, the Blackstock Northern Light. That's like a hotted, hot rotted PAF that I like. Um, and you know, again, you won't have reference that 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 uh, that pickup. So I tend not to use those guitars in videos more than you know a little. Like in other words, usually if it has nothing to do with the guitar, maybe like a pedal demo, I'll use it or something like that. But so. Uh, so yeah, so sometimes you don't want to do the modded stuff. Um, and Adrian, hold on a second. We'll be right back. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It, it only takes structure. And, and you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Nah, I mean. So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little? You mean? Yeah, yeah. We all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying. Oh, yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. 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 Look, look, look. We all artists, man. We go. You feel me? We gonna have this like. Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit right now. I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I gotta lie, don't play with it. Don't play with it. No. Take that shit. Adrian says, "Hey Phil, what KYG merch would you like to sell, but don't currently stock? Key rings, picks, beanie hats, tools, or even socks? Um, you know, it's a great question." Uh, especially since we're actually in turmoil right now dealing with that. Um, We had a, a, obviously me talking about uh, Teespring last week and uh, having issues with them. And uh, I've removed them from all of the YouTube videos, by the way, they're no longer embedded in any of the videos. At least I think so. (laughs) When I say that is I went and did it and I looked and I can't see it, but so if any of you see it, just, you can let me know. But I mean, I mean, obviously it just means we have residuals out there, but it's been removed. Um, the um the hold on a second i'm gonna grab a question real quick so i have it okay um so uh long story short somebody reached out to me and said hey i do merch and i would love to do your merch and so of course i handed it over to uh my lovely wife who now has the horror of not only running patreon for me and now instagram she's now going to run merch nightmare for her uh that will be her main focus for me to help me uh on the on the group now and um she uh has samples coming right now as we speak and we're going to change the merch lineup uh you know level it up a little bit with quality because again we're not really happy with the teespring stuff and um then that's something that will be done then i know she added picks because i saw her order picks so have no you get picks um I think that's to be included with the shirts or something like that. I'm not sure. But to answer your question, I haven't thought about keychains. <laughs> you said keychains, key rings, picks. Picks, yeah. Beanie hats, I don't know. Socks. <laughs> Maybe socks called last days. Know your gear, last day socks. I would be up for that. Um, you know what I love? The reason I, I like this question, obviously, it was an early question, so that's why I grabbed it. But also, if you guys have suggestions, you put those in the comments of merch you'd like to see. Uh, I'm Like I said... Uh, you know, I'm more of a t-shirts, although the hats are coming right now. In fact, uh, she sourced the hat. Finally, we have the hat I want. <laughs> so she sourced it from that company. Um, you'll see why when you see the final hat, uh, why I've been so picky. There's just a hat I like. Look, I'm a, I'm a guy with a haircut that needs a hat. Okay. So I'm very particular about the hat and how it feels on my head. <laughs> okay. Um, 
We have uh, Ray. Ray wants to know, hey, Phil, did TC Electronics go out of business? Uh, no, not that I know of. TC Electronics was purchased a while back now, like quite a while back, um, more than five years ago, I would say for sure, because it's, you know, I, wait, a few years before COVID. So may, I want to say 2016 seems right. Um, they were purchased by Behringer. So... I would imagine they wouldn't go out of business because uh, Behringer's too big. Uh, I would say that if they're gone, which I don't think they are, and I'll explain that in a second, um, they would be shelved. So let's just, I'm, and I'm not saying that happened. I'm just saying that would be the termin terminology. They wouldn't really kind of go out of business. They would just get, as a brand, be shelved and not used. Um, my understanding is they're fully used by uh, Behringer, and Behringer still owns them, and everything is fine. Uh, I have no reason to think other than that. Um, however, you have to understand because Behringer purchased them in that purchase, one of the things that happened was, of course, they were immediately uh, removed from companies like Guitar Center, who does not have no, and does no longer has a relationship with Behringer, which was a very public, <laughs> that was a public breakup, <laughs> the Behringer uh, Guitar Center guys. Uh, if you guys ever Google it, it's funny uh, when Behringer basically said, uh, you know, hey, we're leaving. Guitar, or no, Guitar Center said, hey, we're kicking Behringer out. And Behringer's like, no, we were leaving because you didn't pay us. See, you didn't pay us. And then Guitar Center is like, no, their stuff's crap. I'm paraphrasing, right, <laughs> all this stuff. And uh, what I remember about it to this day is then for some reason, Sweetwater out of nowhere posted a thing saying, we've been with Behringer for years and we never had a problem. And, but, and also, I think they alluded to something like, but we also pay our bills. It was a weird, it was a weird, and again, I could be magnifying it and making it sound a little bit worse than it was, but that was the vibe you got from it. I don't think many people would be taking a much different vibe than I just explained away from that situation. Not, not normal to see big hundred million dollar companies be publicly fighting each other <laughs> but uh yeah so no no behringer at at the guitar center um uh john wants to know phil do you ever use an electric screwdriver during repairs and making pickups uh pluses and minuses versus manual uh what do you recommend if you guys watch me in a lot of my videos i have a screwdriver set that was given to me by a customer um, that he worked at Lowe's. God, I hope I don't mess this up. <laughs> I hope he didn't work at Home Depot. He worked at Lowe's. I'm pretty sure that's accurate. And he gave me the screwdriver set. And I think it's Cobalt. And I think that's the brand at Lowe's. Uh, so uh, again, if I'm wrong, just insert Home Depot into what I just said. Anyways, uh, they're a Cobalt. You can tell they're blue and gray. They're almost in every video at some point. And they're ratcheting screwdrivers, which means not only, you know, the ones where you turn, uh, but you also put your hand in the middle and as you turn, they basically always turn. They're always continually going as you, even though you're going backwards, back and forth, they continue to go. So like a manual electric screwdriver, but of course no electricity. Um, I use those the most. Um, I tend to only use the electric screwdrivers uh, and the electric drills, like those kind of tools, uh, when, uh, you know, I'm doing a lot, <laughs> like 50 screws, let's go ahead and get that out. Let's not, let's not take to it 10 hours. Um, ideally I have no issue with it. I've heard people like, uh, they'll say in the video, like, Oh, you stripped that screw. And I'm like, I don't think they understand you set your, you set your, um, your uh, uh, electric screwdriver or and or drill so that when it gets a certain amount of tension, it just starts clicking because it's not going to strip out that way. So a lot of times that's what they heard is the clicking. But in the video, I guess maybe it sounded like I was spinning on the screw, but it was clicking. Um, but but uh, that being said, um, thank you for saying ratcheting. 
Um, uh, the main reason I try to stay away from them, there's a reason why I try to stay away from electric screwdrivers uh, when working on guitars. It's the weight, uh, and they're heavy. And so because they're heavy, I try not to bring anything that's, uh, if you drop it, <laughs> it's going to chip or ding the guitar, right? Not that it's going to be much better if you drop a screwdriver on a guitar. It's going to be pretty bad. But sometimes if you drop a heavy screw, uh, a drill on something, it's a, it's a mess. So you, you kind of think about that way, right? So again, you just, and sometimes they can slip off and stuff. So you just try to do it as, um, you know, as easy as possible. So you have to weigh, uh, to me, it's a, it's a weighing my options kind of thing. Like, I don't want to take the risk of damaging this guitar, but if it's going to take forever, maybe I'll kind of like, okay, let's just take a little bit of that risk, be a little extra careful, but speed up the time frame. And then sometimes if it's not a long time, why, why take the risk? So again, you know, um, super lead 100 says, Hey, Phil, I'm curious, uh, how you would compare a black stock PF. He's talking about my Northern lights pickup to the DiMaggio 36th anniversary. Oh, that's a great comparison. Uh, how are they similar and how are they different? Well, DiMaggio 36th anniversary pickup is a very special pickup, uh, whether you realize it or not. Uh, Larry DiMaggio owns a 1959 Les Paul. He bought it new in 1975. It's a real, it's a real one, of course, but I mean, he's had it. It's more of a, uh, it's more than he just has a 59 Les Paul. He's had it for longer than I've been alive. <laughs> so, uh, no, 70, wait, 75? No. Okay. Not longer than I've been alive. Not quite. So, um, anyways, uh, He's had it for a long time. Uh, when they made the 36th anniversary pickups, I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to say this. So somebody, hopefully, he said it out there somewhere. <laughs> um, uh, when they made the 36th anniversary pickups, uh, they, uh, I think Steve Blucher designed them. And when they designed them, they designed them based on Larry's pickups. But with one change, they made the pickups and they put them in Epiphones. And compared the Epiphones that they had purchased with these different pickups, these 36 anniversaries, to the original uh, PFs that were in his 59 Les Paul. And they did that because they were trying to achieve the same sound. So they were trying to get the Epiphones, these other guitars that maybe have a harder finish and a little difference about them, sound more like his 59 Les Paul. And they believe they got there and they did that. And that's what the 36th anniversary is. It's a clone of his very special pickup from his very special Les Paul. Um, so why does that matter? And to your question, uh, well, why is it different? How is it different than my pickup? E easy. His is basically a PAF and mine is a PAF that's got a little bit more mid push and it bites a little harder. And I know that's like weird terminology, but all you have to think of is if you put those two pickups in the same guitar and strubbed a chord clean, my pickup, you would hear a little bit of the growl on the end, just a little bit, and his pickup would be very soft, right? And uh, and that's good. So that's what it is. It's very subtle. It's a very subtle thing. It's a it's a it's one percent different. <laughs> no, it's more than that, but uh, it's three percent different. So there there you go. But so you know, those two pickups you mentioned are some of the pickups I use the most in guitars. Uh, uh, okay. Hold on a second. Jumping around here. Okay. Uh, we have, <laughs> just some guy says, Hey, Phil, 
What do you play when someone asks you to play something? You know, uh, but I don't know. Uh, here's what I will tell you. Uh, let's play a game. I like games. I have a guitar here. Uh, let me, I'm going to, that's turning off the sound. Turn on the sound. You're going to hear my mic and the signal of the guitar. Um, so what would I play for you? Uh, so I guess Bowling for Soup. <laughs> to answer your question, to be uh, honest, obviously that's what I thought of. This I just figured out the guitar was in drop D as soon as I heard it. I actually, luckily, I heard heard the note real quick and I was like, oh, I think this string is drop D. Uh, so in drop D, I'd play that. To be honest with you, uh, one thing about working in a music store for a long time, you tend to just, when somebody says, play me something, you tend to uh, either ask them or size them up and go, oh, you look like a kind of person like this. So if I saw like a 40-year-old a woman, I'd be like, wait. It's got demonetized. So something like that. If uh, you look like uh, you're angry, I'd play some some metal for you. If you, <laughs> if you like country, I'd play a country lick. Um, I always I used to say, and I still say this: I I can fake anything for about three to ten seconds, which is enough to convince somebody for a second that I know what I was doing. So I learned to fake almost every genre that long. <laughs> It's a little trick I picked up in a music store, which is just learn to fake it every genre you can for three to 10 seconds. And then, then immediately stop playing guitar like I just did. Put it down. Any longer, they're going to discover the hole. <laughs> so my, <laughs> my knees hurt says, the 40-year-old woman's song? Uh, well, here's the deal. I say that because I like Brian Adams and I, I'm... Uh, and I think a lot of people like Brian Adams, but I, I mean, a lot of girls I grew up in high school with like Brian Adams. So that's what kind of assumed that. Um, so let me put it this way. I could have changed that to, instead of a 40 year old woman likes Brian Adams song, I'd say, uh, when I was in high school, girls like Brian Adams songs. I could play those. Um, let's see. Brian wants to know what pickups are in the bell tone. I believe these are, I have no idea. I think they're TV Jones P90s. That's what I think they are, but I would have to confirm but I, I don't know. He gave me a really nice sheet, and I haven't read it all the way through yet. Okay. Uh, Pat, uh, Patrick Gregory says, Hey, Phil, love the channel. Is the inspiration for the Badlands guitar name based on the band Badlands? You know, I have no idea. I didn't name the brand, as you guys know. I, I think I've explained this. They were... I was late in the partnership. Uh, I was pulled in as a key partner. Uh, and I say that <laughs> not sarcastically. Really what happened was, I think I told you this, I was pulled in for some advice on a problem. I gave the advice and apparently solved the problem. Then they had more questions for me. And then it occurred to them to say, uh, and I'm just telling you the story the way they told it to me. Besides, they gave me a very long PowerPoint presentation, which was very impressive, by the way. Um, they were like, hey, if we have to pay him every time we ask him a question, 
why don't we just see if he's interested in being part of this? And uh, it worked out for them because one of my my first piece of advice was the more partners you have that have skill sets that you need, the more you can ask them to put more sweat equity into the business and less have to be paying out constantly for everything. By the way, Brian, one of the partners, um, he was being paid by us uh, to do work. And then at some point, same, my logic took over of, hey, let's see if he'd be interested in just getting a piece of the company and, 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 and the piece is in a profit sense. You got to understand you're, you're, you're essentially not coming out ahead. There's no situation. Well, let's say no situation, most likely not a situation where the equity, uh, swap for your income, uh, is going to be, uh, worth it. It's more of just having a say and not being told. It's nice to be part of something where your, your opinion actually not only is cared for, but also legally, <laughs> it's like you're, you're a, you have a percentage so your opinion actually has to have some weight. Um, but that being said, I have no idea. I think they just started picking random, uh, names. Like, uh, I, I'd heard, um, they throw like wicked something up and that's just what they did. And keep in mind also, uh, the names were picked and then they had to do trademark searches of what they could get. And that was a big part of it. That was one of the reasons, one of the few reasons that when they were pulling me in was trademark information. They wanted to know how to trademark stuff and how to go about that and uh, and uh, setting up the uh, LLC and the accounts and all that stuff. That's an, something else I was very versed in. So, uh, yeah. So the answer was they picked the name and tra- and the trademark lawyer did the research and said, yep, we can, we can get it. Let's go ahead and go for that. And I think that was about as easy as that was uh, for logic. Um, uh, uh, okay. Uh, squ- I have no squinzy fris. What? Squit, squit, squisness. Squi- I have no idea, dude. <laughs> I don't even know where to start reading that word. S K W I S I N F E R I S. Squins Ferris. Uh, says, I'm a 28-year-old aspiring guitar tech, and I watch your channel mostly for the repair videos. Would you ever consider making a guitar repair class and uploading it to sites like Udemy? You know, this was uh, not only something that we've been talking about, it was something that was approached to me to do a paid, what they call paywall video series, right? Where you essentially make a, a, a content, and, um, and I want to be very clear, because I do not want to, uh, I want... I'm going to say the answer, but please hear the entirety of this answer because it's very important because otherwise you might get something really wrong really fast. So the question was, would I be willing to do a paywall video series? In other words, like all the guys who, uh, who sell guitar lessons and stuff, you know, do a instructional how to repair, how to fix things series. And uh, the answer is yes. And the answer is we are. And so, yes, I like the idea of doing a series. Yes, we are, and we are not going to put it on Udemy or anything that it'll be originally, it will be uploaded onto Patreon. This is why you have to listen because it's not on Patreon now, and so I don't want you to run to Patreon to hopefully get this service that's not there, (laughs) but that's where it will go. Um, We actually, what we're doing is we're building a studio. Believe it or not, you need a studio, not a repair shop, because you need to be able to film, you know, all this stuff. And I think we're going to do three to four videos is what we discussed and knock them out 
and uh, and then uh, and then uh, like kind of like Tim Pierce, like upload them up, upload them up. But we're gonna put them on the Patreon, uh, and the members will get them to here on YouTube. Basically, the, it's like pay, behind a paywall in that idea, and, but it's more of a hey, let's add that service to already platforms that are already supporting the channel instead of creating another damn thing for you to purchase, and then then slowly move them over to free YouTube platform. And then as we upload others there, and then maybe if there's something that we go, I go, Hmm, I always kind of want to keep that secret. So let's keep that behind the paywall. Maybe we'll do that. I I have no thought other than, yes, we're going to do that. Um, so the answer is yes, I want to do that. And, uh, and, um, that's the way I think it's going to be. Um, I think we're going to roll it out. I think that seems to me, it seems the fairest way to do it. I can do the content and, uh, you know, give the people who are supporting the channel something and then move it over slowly over time. So, all right. So there you go. That's my, that's my, that's my thing. That's my idea. Or at least actually it's not my idea. That was what was presented to me and I agreed to. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's like, you should sell socks with one hole in it. I agree. I should sell socks. I should make a patch kit. For socks. By the way, of anything I've ever said on this show, that one had the funniest answers I've ever heard. Not only did a lot of people agree with me, which my wife just was shaking her head so many times. I knew she was looking because she'd be on her phone and she'd be like, she'd do that. You know that disappointed in you look? And I'm like, oh, somebody make a comment about the last day socks thing? And she's like, yeah. Um, but some of you guys even had funnier answers uh, than... Uh, we were in the grocery store the other day and I grabbed one. I was, I'm like, this guy says you should kick your underwear off like a ninja. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. Let's get back to questions. We're going to, we're getting too sidetracked here. Uh, hold on. I'm just looking real quick to make sure I didn't miss one okay uh this is from scooby stap scooby stap says happy friday phil uh i believe this is the first question of the day no it was the second scooby stap says um is the tone or quality of a guitar reduced when a guitar body is either made from one piece of wood or multiple pieces, like two to three or four pieces glued together. Thanks. Um, you know, I I love saying that this is the important part, that I believe there's no true answers. No, no answer is going to be 100% correct. That's just how I believe this to be. Because something will always kind of disprove an idea when it comes to the guitar building and the guitars and the magic that happens within guitars. Um, heck, think about this. We could argue whether or not there's magic in guitars. I can. I have friends right now. I can hear them in my head screaming, there's no magic. It's all science. And I'm like, and engineering. And I'm like, okay, okay. But what about the, the tree spirit that it sometimes goes in the guitar? Anyways, uh, my point is, uh, I don't believe in an electric solid body guitar. Glue has all that to do with a lot. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm sure there's people, I, I did a video talking about a replica of a 15 less Paul. And I talked about the glues and a lot of people are funny. I think they don't understand that are like, they're like, you really believe glue. And I'm like, I, I don't, it's not what I believe. It's what they did. I was explaining the history of this guitar. So to me, if a body is made of three or four pieces or one piece or two pieces, 
you know, do I notice the glue? Uh, here's the problem. I don't notice. And I don't notice it for a ton of reasons. I think a lot of things in the electric guitar world, they are real things in the acoustic guitar world. And then by logic, which meaning maybe an absence of logic and in, in, in my case and everybody else's case too, we try to adhere those theories to electric guitar. Uh, obviously it's where a lot of tone wood debate comes from, right? I mean, tone woods are a real thing in acoustic guitars. There's no question about that. And, uh, that's not, not a doubt that they affect everything. Um, on electric guitars, not as much, or maybe not at all, depending on how you believe on that. But, uh, to me, the, the, how much glue is in the guitar. And I mean, you know, here's the problem. This is why I say this. Let's say I just said, I agree. Somebody says, hey, if there's a three-piece body, all that glue in between the 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 vibration doesn't transfer the same way and the guitar doesn't sustain the same way. And I could go, okay, but that necessarily doesn't mean it's it's bad in quality or any other way. It could just sound different and sounding different sometimes is good. And the reason I say that is because I have guitars that I love and they're not necessarily built really well. And I have guitars that I don't love as much and they're built very well, in fact, perfectly. Um, so again, I think there's a little bit more to the ingredients. There's always something to do with the recipe and the execution on that. So, um, so to answer your question, I personally don't think it matters. Like, um, and, and, uh, and one of the reasons I personally don't think it matters is I'm afraid to give an answer in something I really can't even substantiate. For instance, well, if I was to say, oh, I don't think a guitar that had two piece body sounds as good as one piece and a, a three piece sounds as good as two piece. When most of my guitars, I'm not even sure how many pieces are underneath there. I know what factories tell me, but I've found a lot of guitars don't have what factories have. Um, I think imported Asian guitars seem to be more problematic in this. Okay. And again, we're not excusing any of the American made USA builders by any means. I've seen shenanigans in that part too. However, I have seen a lot of guitars where they're not the things they say they are. And so you have to watch yourself because <laughs> you might be going, man, I like basswood, three-piece basswood body is a tone suck. And this thing resonates like hell. And you're like, oh, it's a three-piece basswood body. You just didn't know because it was underneath the paint. So that's my answer to that. And also, I'll also uh, end with the... Um, uh, things I want to worry about, <laughs> about the construction of the guitar, that's one of the things that just isn't going to make my top 10 list of things I care about. What I do, and I have said this before, is the reason I mention it in videos is it is a cost issue. It costs more. Big, Bigger pieces of wood cost more. That's just a fact, especially as you increase the production of guitars. So I point out where guitars are glued together in videos, but more so for two reasons. One, if a guitar is expensive, I hopefully you don't want to see a lot of that because what made the guitar expensive then? And also if a guitar is inexpensive, uh, you know, you, you don't mind if you see more pieces, it seems uh, normal, but most of the series, when I do these deep dive things, I'm pointing all that. And when I use my dry erase marker and I'm tracing out where the wood glue glues come together, it's more just informational. I just want you to see it. You know, like, hey, this is so you know, this is what a $500 guitar is, how it gets constructed. Here's a $2,000 guitar. Here's how it gets, how it gets constructed. So um, one of the things I think we all can agree on is um, I, nothing because it's the Internet. One of the things the majority of us will agree on is that when you work hard for your money, you want to feel like when you gave that money to somebody and they gave you something back, 
that that thing they gave back had value, right? <laughs> and the, it was worth what you paid or more, hopefully. And um, that's why I kind of go through things the way I do is because I, I realize when I'm making a video, I'm really potentially helping you either A, make a purchase or B, uh, give you information on a purchase you just made that you might be concerned about or happy about. And I want to give you information more than opinions. I don't want to be like, yeah, Bob, you did a great job. Purple. Of course, it's a great guitar. It's purple. How can it not be great if it's purple? I want to be able to say, hey, look, here's what I see. And if you are and if you want, you can compare it to other guitars I've reviewed um, in, in the same price points and see how they compared. And then I'll tell you how much the company really worked hard to get your money. So... Yeah, Jim says you work hard for your money, so they better treat you right. Yep, that's exactly it. So, yes. And tone glue. Okay. <laughs> um, let me uh let me answer this one. This is Antique Rocker says, "Hey, wanted to try a headless and I needed a travel rig. I got an eart uh headless GW2." Due to your deep dive, weirdly, it's my longest 24 fret, 25 and a half inch scale guitar and shortest 33 inches. Okay. Uh, guitar. Love it. Thank you. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. I, I was, <laughs> I had a meeting this week with uh, some of the guys at Kiesel. Uh, Brandon at Kiesel is a great guy. I love, enjoy every time I get to talk to him. Um, and, uh, and I was telling about ER guitars and um, and how much how how good they are for the price. They're they are definitely the thing to chase when it comes to uh, you know affordable guitars that are good. And what's funny is is I see sometimes people are like, oh, you know, they find the bad one and they kind of highlight the bad one. I'm like, look, there. I told you guys the one thing that if you could learn one thing from this channel, maybe over any other channel. And again, I would never presume to have to be better than any channel in any way. But what I will tell you is one thing that I will, that I've learned from a long time, a lot of experience is that when you look at inexpensive guitars, consistency is the coffin nail. It's what they have. That's their biggest obstacle, right? Uh, and so when you buy inexpensive guitars, I tell you, if you're a reasonable minded person, which I hope the majority of you watching are, if you buy a $300 guitar off Amazon that promises the world to you, which is hemispherical frets and stainless steel and beautiful tops, and you get a bad one, well, please understand that's the risk you took with the fact that they're hitting this, all the features at a low price, you're going to probably get a dud every once in a while. And that's why they have a return policy on Amazon where you can just return it and get a different one. And then I'm sorry, that's part of the problem. Um, it's why I don't enjoy when I spend a lot of money on a guitar and I have that problem. I believe as, as I've learned from the factories that when you're buying expensive guitars, consistency should be easier for them to obtain. It should be easier to get consistency because a, they have put in a price point to give you that you do not expect to see a $3,000 guitar have consistency issues when the employees should be paid better the materials should be more quality. The QA can spend longer on the guitars. There's, you know what I mean? There's a ton of reasons why that should take place. And so, so yeah, so like I said, so that's my way of saying, I'm glad you got a, a great one. 
And like I said, for everybody else who's got a great one, I'm happy for you. And if you did get a bad one, um, there's a reason why I tend to lean towards brands like Yart that are, to me, they're good for the money and they're sold on a platform I trust. When I say I trust, please don't understand. I'm not saying I trust Amazon in, as a company. I trust their return policy. In other words, I trust their, that, that they will uh, take care of you. So there you go. That's why I've backed away, and I've told you guys this, um, from companies like Donner, who originally, when I worked with Donner, which, and I have no reason to dislike Donner, okay? This isn't anything about them. But when I originally worked with Donner, they were being sold on Amazon. And one of the things I like about telling you guys to potentially throw your hard-earned money at a guitar for two, 300 bucks and give it a try is it's nice to know that if you do have a problem, instead of giving me an email at three in the morning, which so many times I get one every night, saying, hey, I got this guitar and you said yours is pretty good and mine is not pretty good and now I don't know how I'm going to live the rest of the week. I mean, they're pretty dramatic sometimes, guys. <laughs> but hey, I've been there. You get emotional, okay? But my point is, it's a lot easier when it's like, well, did you get it on Amazon? Well, did you push the button to take it back to the UPS store or the Kohl's or whatever and then just get another one? No one cares <laughs> to just give you another one and take care of you. So... Um, so like I said, so I tend to back away from the companies that, and I get why, cause the fees are heavy on Amazon, but I like, uh, remember I work for you guys. So I like the idea that you're protected. I would love to champion the, the, the companies and their fees and help them kind of not have so many fees. But unfortunately I don't really see it. I work for them. I see, I work for you. And what I've learned, like in any smart business, I work for you. And as long as you guys are happy, the companies will deal with whatever I'm doing because they have access to you. It's all about you. They only care about you. They don't care about my thoughts, my opinions, my cool hairdo, my fancy cool shirts. They care about none of this stuff. Trust me, I get sometimes lip service. It's very nice. But most of the time, I, I know. It's they care about how many views and how many of you will buy their product. And that's why they send them. And because I know that, I've learned to always lean and work with and take care of you guys because as long as you're happy, they'll still deal with me. <laughs> that's my that's my theory. I think it's working so far. If it's not working, I don't care. I still like the way that, that works. I like that idea. Uh, Rick says, hey, Phil, I'm installing a pair of Fralin hum-canceling P90s in a strap body. Uh, what pot values would I use? I would use 250K. You could use the 500Ks as well. So you guys, you, you know, and you can even do... Um, variations you can do a 500k volume and a 250k tone or dual 250k tones if that's what you're doing sure you could do that stuff i just go 250k that's just how i look at it um there might be a situation where i put a 500k in a um in a p90 but as soon as you say strat body i i know they're come canceling so they're going to probably sound a little warmer right fuller than a normal p90 uh less mid heavy more on the low end frequency just a little bit. And by hum canceling, they are technically humbuckers. And but uh the way the pickup is made, I'd still probably go 250 uh because I don't think um you know that's I was gonna say I don't think I think that's gonna sound great. <laughs> so basically, it's what I would do. So there you go. Um, but like I said, you can go 500 K just think of it this way. Uh, the answer is not so much what I would do. The answer is what, what will happen, what you do. 500 K will give you slight teensy weensy more highs than 250 K. 
So here's what's great about that. You can try 500K and if it's too bright, switch to 250K or try 250K and it's not bright enough for you, try 500K. But keep in mind, this is a very minor, minor, minor amount of frequency change because, uh, you know, there's just not, it's not huge. So, um, and am I saying that right? Yeah, the 500Ks will give you more highs. That's what I'm trying to say, right? I hope I said that right. If I not, didn't, and I just flipped it because sometimes... I'm talking and thinking at the same time because it's live. 500Ks give you more highs. So just remember that. Okay. Um, okay, Randy uh, Randy Crooks. Oh, I like the guitars. Crooks guitars. Uh, uh, always wanted a crook, crook telly style guitar. Uh, he says, hey, on a fabric top telly. <laughs> Interesting enough. That's what crook does. <laughs> So, uh, you should get, Randy, your name's Crooks and you you should get a Crook Telly with a fabric top. Uh, he says, Hey, on a fabric top Telly, I'm getting, uh, I will be putting text mess pickups, CTS pots and a four way switch. I always like the four way switch on the Telly. It's a cool option and new tuners, any thoughts and or suggestions? Uh, nope. I think you did it. Um, I'd love to give you a suggestion of something I would change out, but I'm CTS pots are great. Um, I like text mess pickups. I like the four-way switch. I don't see any downsides in your theory. So trying to shield it. (laughs) That's it. Uh, Mark says, hey, Phil, I just got a gorgeous quilted private stock McCarty for $3,700. Wow. Big money. And did you go to the casino? Did you win? (laughs) That's what I think of when I think, all right, that's the I won some money. He says, the pickups are dodgy. Any suggestions to consider for the pickups? Well, it's a McCarty, Paul Reed Smith. I would definitely go something PAF. Um, You know, obviously, if it's a private stock McCarty, I would get some real PRS pickups in there. I think they'll they'll sound great. You could get some 5708s. That'd be nice. 5909s in there. That'd be good. Those are my choices. But if you don't want to spend that cash, even though you just spent $3,700... You could go with DiMaggio or Seymour Duncan, or uh, obviously I really like the mules from um, uh, Bare Knuckle. Again, put you in that territory. Very, very good pickups. Riff Raff are also good from Bare Knuckles. I love those as well. Um, so mules or Riff Raffs, or DiMaggio go 36th anniversary, or with Seymour Duncan go uh, 59s. I think those will all get you in that territory. Uh, and of course, there's tons of others, you know, great pickups from Lindy Farrell and everybody else, but... Uh, but don't, those are my suggestions. Just because the McCarty is kind of going for that sound, those pickups would definitely line up with that sound. Uh, Mike says, hey, new guitar week. Week? You got a guitar whole week? Says, after waiting six months, I got my new Epiphone USA Casino. It was worth the wait. Glad I did not settle for the import and do the upgrades. Uh, John, Paul, and George were right. Yeah, it's a cool idea. I like that they brought that back. That option back, especially the the diehard Beatles fans know, like you know, Epiphone was such a such a big brand, uh, you know, for the band in that era, and being made in USA. So very cool. I'm glad you like it. Um, thanks for sharing. 94 Dodge Dude says, "Hey Phil, best advice for a new guitar builder? Thanks. Don't do it. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything without saying the story. I'm going to say this story a thousand times. This will be a thousand and one. I have a friend. This is 2005. (laughs) 
Uh, he's still my friend. 2005, a friend is like, hey, he's not making any money selling guitars. He's really working his ass off. At that time, I was building basses, too. We had the store, and I was building basses. And uh, and uh, he said, man, I can't make any money. And I said, yeah. I said, you should build kitchen cabinets. And so he stopped making guitars and started making cabinets. <laughs> and uh, next time I saw him, I'll never forget this, he was killing it. And he told me, uh, and I, again, doing off memory, something about the fact that he's like, you know, a soccer mom will throw down 40 grand on particle board and veneer cabinets, but I couldn't get anyone to give me four grand for a perfectly built, beautiful work of art instrument. <laughs> and I said, that's why I said do that. So uh, that's my advice. Don't. Okay. Then after that, now we can talk about, you know, hey, now that I did that is like a, uh, you know, public message. Uh, any advice as a guitar builder? Yeah. Um, be really, really good to your customers. They're everything. Nothing else is going to matter. You make a great product and you treat your customers right and you work a lot. Um, and, uh, you, um, you know, you do it. I mean, it's, it's tough. It's a tough gig, man. This is a passion gig. You know, um, that's just the reality of it. The reason we did the Badlands thing, it's a passion thing. There's no way, like I said, we see a, a, a future of like, wow, what? <laughs> um, like I said, we, we kind of, we've been all around and done this enough times that we know how to do it and mitigate the risk and be profitable. But by profitable, I mean, not have to shell out of pocket all the time. And, um, and, uh, that's a different kind of thing. But what I will say this is, it, let me, let me talk to you from the heart for a second. So that we did all the practical stuff. That's all the, my brain talking. Let me give you my heart. Um, if you feel it in you that you have to build something and you have something to say to the world and you can build something that you think is unique and great, um, I totally think you should do that. I think you will be miserable until you do that, in fact. So I will tell you to do that. What I will only tell you uh, is that, um, like, I have a partnership. I, you know, I've been on this channel for almost 300 episodes and uh, you know, people ask me, would you ever start a guitar company? And I said, no. <laughs> and I didn't, like I said, I, uh, people even, ask, I think one person asked me like, didn't you say you wouldn't do this? And I go, i never said I wouldn't do this. This never was presented to me. It never occurred to me. Somebody would do all the heavy lifting and then ask me to come in at the end and be like, Hey, <laughs> and then I get like all the credit too. I, I get way more credit for the Bandlands deal than I uh, deserve. Like I said, I was just at the end and I was there with just enough experience to kind of like dot those eyes and cross those crosses and literally go, okay, it's perfect now. And yay, I did it. <laughs> um, but uh, what I'm saying is, is that basically uh, if you do feel you have skills that are missing, you should find help. So if you're great at building guitars, build those guitars. If you're horrible with people, get somebody who's good with people. Cause let me tell you, your business is not going to go far if you cannot deal with people. Um, one of the things that I hate to see is, uh, guitar builders, they see other builders that are crotchety or people that are in this industry that are not really good with people and people tolerate it. And they're like, Oh, so you don't have to be good with people. That is not the, the rule. That is the exception. Most people in this industry, if you're not good with people, you will not do well. Okay. Um, the other thing I would totally recommend for you to do, uh, 
94 Dodge dude is read some of the books about Fender and Leo Fender. Um, very interesting reads and, and especially the, the, the history of how, you know, Leo was not really the sales of the company. He was kind of like the, the ideas, you know, in execution and inventions. And, you know, you can, you can, you can come to your own uh, decision about what you read, but in my my reading all I could about Leo Fender and of course interviewing all the people that knew him and all the people that worked with him, whether that be GNL and all the other people. Um, what you really learn is, is that the person who sold the, the guitars was very valuable to Fender and Leo just does what that's what he wasn't good at. So he found that skill set. So that's my suggestions to you, but you got to start with a good product. So first make a great instrument and go from there. Okay. <laughs> uh, Mr. S says modular Badlands guitar, pretty pleased. Uh, not going to happen. Uh, here's the thing about this. And I'm sure I'll always get questions about the Badlands guitars on every episode when it comes to like, what's next and what will you do a bass? Will you do this? I, I will tell you this. Um, before you ask any more questions ever again about what that, uh, Badlands will do, just understand that the next five launches, which are only two per year, have already been planned. <laughs> so whatever you guys suggest, you're talking about 2025. So you want to suggest it, I'm okay with it, but you understand. I just want you to understand, like there's nothing going to, you know, change what's already like in the plan. It was, it was planned out before the first, before the first guitar was ever launched to the public. We already knew what the next launches look like. We had already had mapped this whole thing out in a, in a very long plan. Uh, Corey says switching to P90 guitar to, oh, switching a two P90 guitar, so dose, uh, to a single P90 looking uh, for a creative idea to use a toggle switch. Okay. What to do with it? You mean, uh, thinking V1 T cap, <laughs> I, you know what you can do that. I, here's my, it's yeah. Any one of those things will be cool. I've done those kind of things where, you know, like, you know, you removed a pickup, so now you got a hole to fill and you put a switch in it and you'll find, I don't really, I never find it ever works. It's one of those things like you'll just never use it. So it's up to you. If you want to get it out of your system, I got it out of my system once. Uh, and so all the possibilities, I would say pick one and just go with it. But what I will tell you is, uh, my, my, you know, my experience with doing those was you won't use it after a week. Ace says, Hey, Phil, new guitar day. My first baby was born this morning. Wow. That's, that's, that's a bigger deal than the guitar. I think can't wait to, can't wait to shower her with all the good metal. Well, congratulations, right? New guitar and new baby day. That's pretty cool. Uh, Pedaly, Hey, Pedaly, what's up? Says for the pedal jar, keep doing what you are doing. You keep doing what you are doing. Pedaly is a, a store in Arizona that sells, um, pedals and all kinds of other goods too, but uh, lots of pedals. You can get lots of good pedals. I bought my, um, my LPD 87 from them. Uh, Spencer says, what are your thoughts on the Theos? I am looking to get another Kiesel and I was thinking about the Theos. Also, did you get an email? Did I get an email? Uh, I sent, uh, someone information on the toggle switch issue. Uh, I super chat about, um, you know what, Spencer? Yes. The answer is probably yes, that we did get an email, but have I seen it? Probably not. So emails are for me, like I said, are 
they come in waves. Like I get a lot, then I don't get that many. So when I don't get that many, you guys are like, wow, you responded fast. When I get a lot, you're like, you never responded. It's because stuff gets buried. Um, but also the things that go on that week. This week was hectic. So again, um, it was hectic this week. This is that's the best way to put it. Not like a busy week. It's different. Uh, busy is you've got a lot of stuff to do, so you just find stuff to do. This week was more like crap just kept happening. <laughs> that had nothing, a lot of personal stuff. You know, we have some sick relatives and other things going on. And, uh, and, um, so we're dealing with, with that. Right. Um, so that answer your question. I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a note to look at it this weekend. So your thoughts on my Theos. He's talking about this guitar right here. This is my Theos. This is a Kiesel Theos. Uh, he says, um, what are my thoughts? My thoughts will literally get me destroyed on the gear page tonight. Um, it will, they will, they will curse my name. I'm losing my voice. Hold on. Yep. I apologize. I'm losing my voice. Hold on. And we're back. <laughs> I'm like crying. I had a moment. I had to tear up a little bit. I had to cry it out. No, um, <clears throat> interesting, funny thing about where I live in Arizona is uh, in the summertime, when I do the show, the room is freezing. It's ice cold <laughs> um, because we have AC on. In my office, uh, you guys, I'm sure all have homes and like most homes. <clears throat> wow. If I don't lose my voice, it's going to be bad. Um, <clears throat> most homes, you have a room that's hot, a room that's cold. My office is the freezing room. However, in the winter time, which I'm not even sure that that's what this is. The winter time feels like it for here in Arizona. Um, even though it's like 50 outside, which is for us is cold. Um, the sun hits the window in this room all day and this room is hot. So this room is really hot right now. So what I'm saying is, is I was drinking water, but apparently not working as I'm Really, really hot right now. Um, I have lights on me, and this room is really hot. I would say it's probably I'm not I'm not I'm not exaggerating. It's probably 88 to 90 degrees in here. So <clears throat> I lost my voice is what I'm trying to say. But Kiesel, uh, back to Kiesel and the gear page destroying me, uh, Theos. Um, I like it as much as a Sir Modern. <laughs> I have a Sir Modern and I have a Kiesel Theos, and I could tell you they are the same guitar. Uh, for me, if somebody disagrees, God bless you. Disagree all you want. Uh, I cannot, with 20 years experience, ripping guitars apart, fixing guitars, you name it, figure out what is different about these two guitars. Other than the physical shapes of the neck, I could see why you'd prefer one shape to another. Somebody will say maybe, uh, you know, the fit and finish on the Sir is better. I don't see that. I, I just don't see it. Uh, again, you could prefer the, the Sir all day long. Um, why am I saying that? Well, because I, I wanted the Theos because of that. Um, I like the Ibanez AZ, as you guys know, that's a great guitar. I don't own it anymore. I had a bunch. I loved them, but I like the Theos more and I got to pick everything on the Theos. I will tell you, I like guitar brands like everybody else. 
I like Paul Reed Smith, so I like them. Okay. And I like Tom Anderson. I like Sir. I like these high-end brands. Just like I like affordable brands. I like guitars. We're, it's a guitar channel. I like guitars. I don't really have like a, you know, I, I like Gibsons and I hate Paul Reed Smith or something like that. I kind of like everything. Okay. And I have a, there's a reason why I like everything. Some stuff is cool because, um, um, you know, uh, you know, sometimes I like it because it's cool looking and it's affordable. Sometimes I like it because it's, you know, it's unique. However, however, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, basically, uh, Kiesel, and I say this, <laughs> I still think uh, they are the most unique builder in the United States. They uh, literally build a custom instrument at a price point that makes no sense. No one else is doing it. I mean, no one else factory-wise is doing it. You know, if you're going to be like, hey, I, have you seen Tom Guitars in Minnesota? He'll build your guitar. I'm sure he will, and I I recommend it if, you, if you've got good vibes from your local builder guy, go. But as a manufacturer, no one is building a guitar this level of quality for this price point. It's just, it's unheard of. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's kind of what I like about it. <laughs> um the, the the Theos I have the Theos I have right here that I'm pointing at this guitar uh, shipped to you is less less like a lot less like not quite a thousand dollars but close to it almost a thousand dollars less than a Sir is to the dealer <laughs> so direct uh, consumer is great obviously I um, I obviously uh, embrace that that's why Badlands went direct to consumer. Because we could uh, effectively do that, we could effectively uh, sell you guys a guitar for less. We know so because, like I said, it's built in a shop that builds other high-end guitars, and they're more, and they're mostly more because they're sold with yet another line of delivery in there. So, um, so that's my answer on my Theos. I find that every time I say that, people lose their mind. <laughs> There's just something about you can't say a Kiesel is as good as a Sir. It will just drive people crazy. I, I say it, I'm not saying it's better. I just, I'm telling you. Um, and and uh, I love the Sir. And I will tell you this, so you know, uh, the main reason I, 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 like a lot of the guitars I have that I took the shot on like that, like the Sir, I don't regret it, but I also uh, would not want to sell it and lose money because it's not worth what I paid. And by the way, the, the, this, this Kiesel is not going to be exactly the same thing as which, which you paid too, but it's not the investment. So, I can recommend it. I feel pretty good recommending that guitar. Um, Benjamin says, a round of cauliflower and sprouts. Thirsty Lion. Oh, what's up, Benjamin? <laughs> they, uh, it's funny. <laughs> Grumpy Mike Guitar. What's up? He says, congrats on selling out the first Badlands uh, and offering the future. The Oh, at, on the Badlands offering the future is bright cheers. Yeah, um, like I said, this, the, the thing was crazy. Um, what, what, what's great about this is, like I said, I want this, uh, this Badlands to experience to be something that we can add to what we do here at, at the Know Your Gear channel to make, you know, your education better. Right. Um, and like, for instance, uh, yesterday, I believe it could have been today. Um, cause I get a different feed than, than you guys. Cause I see the background. Um, Today, I, think, I believe Brian posted the picture of the wood, all the wood for the body blanks for the guitars because they started cutting, right? <clears throat> so we're, we're sharing that experience with you. We're sharing everybody on the Badlands Instagram. 
Um, but uh, to to uh, Grumpy Mike Guitar's point uh, about the uh, the sellout and you know the future looks really bright. Um, we have a very realistic look at what's going on in the future, and again, I want to be upfront with that. Um, the uh, the next run could sell out in in an hour. And the next run, we could sell three. <laughs> I mean, you have to understand, this is what we've decided to do uh, is very crazy because as we create a model and we sell out, um, it may not seem like a lot to a lot of people. Like, oh, okay, this, this model sold out. Maybe it was hype. Maybe it was the look. Maybe it was whatever. Maybe it was the video. Maybe it was this. Maybe people just thought they could uh, make some money on it. I, I don't know. There's a, I bet you all those reasons apply, okay? And so, you know, all those reasons were considered and how we executed on this. However, the next model, like another song on the album, the next song could be the song that we sell a hundred, you know, and you know, like, what if we sell 50 in five seconds? We're like, well, we better do a hundred. Um, I can tell you this, we've already discussed in deep talks. We will never, not never, we can't break a hundred. We can't even build a (laughs) hundred. So let's talk about that. But we're talking about in the future, if we can build 100, maybe we'll go to 100 on, on a model that's doing really well. But also, like I said, if the next model, that song, you're like, oh, you like this song? Wait, you hear the next song. The next song might be the song that no one listens to. And so we have very reasonable expectations of this. And um, kind of like my advice to uh, 64, I got to remember your number. Dodge Dude, what are you at? 60 what? What was your number? 94, sorry, 94 Dodge Dude, kind of like my advice. We're doing the thing we're passionate about. At the end of the day, we all have one and we like it. <laughs> so we're like, okay, we got that covered. And then we'll share it with you guys and see if you like it. Um, and the reason, again, I want to share that kind of stuff is I think that's an interesting way of looking at things. We had never, as someone who's worked with all these companies, a lot of companies, and a lot of us on this team have worked with companies we almost like purposefully wrote down all the things that companies do. And we said, we don't want to do that stuff. Right. And one of them was, you know, we'll, we don't want to worry. And this is where I was going with this. We don't want to look at something we love and go, no one will buy that. Let's not release it. We'll go, no, we'll release it. And if no one buys it, well then no one bought it and we'll go to the next one. And if everybody loves that one, we'll, we'll try to make as many as we can. And if the next one, they love it. Great. And if the next one, they don't love it, then that's fine. But we're going to give every launch a fair shake to see what it is that we came up with that you guys might dig. So thank you, Grumpy Mike Guitar. Uh, But like I said, said, I know everybody's like, oh, the first one sold out. The next one could be a blowout. Who knows? It could be, like I said, it could be the opposite. We have a very realistic uh, look at this is what I'm trying to say. And we're happy. uh, Jennifer says, how to diagnose reasons for fret buzz, action, fret level, etc." Um, I don't have tools, but I would like to see if it's worth taking on, on how to involve and how involved it would. Jennifer, I have this way. This is how I explain fret buzz and how you kind of try to solve the problem. Okay. The fastest way to solve the problem is raise the action. Okay. What I mean by that is when you have fret buzz, so in other words, you're playing and the, there's, the notes are buzzing on the fretboard and stuff. Um, maybe, maybe uh, what you want to do, or not maybe, what you want to do is raise the action. You can do it on the bridge. That's fine. You can relieve the truss rod too, but I would definitely just do the bridge. Um, 
Either way, you want to get the action up on the bridge. And then raise it a little bit, play. Raise, I mean, a little bit, just each time. Just a little bit, a little quarter turn here and there. And then once the buzz goes away, you're like, well, yeah, now it's gone, but I have a high action. Now your, your goal is to figure out how to lower it back and not have the buzz come back. And sometimes that might, you have to adjust the neck. And sometimes that might have, mean a, a bad fret that might be leveled. But at least you'll know where the problem is. And like I said, one of the things I love to do, which is where I kind of focus this channel on, is more on diagnosing and fixing small issues, but more importantly, understanding how to diagnose stuff so that when you go to a guitar tech, that you understand, one, what they're saying, and two, that they're not, you know, just coming up with crap out of their head. You could go, uh, well, no, I, I got the buzz to go away. I just, like, I'll give you an example. A lot of people will bring a guitar to me and they'll say, hey, this guitar buzzes. I want you to make it not buzz. And I go, oh, okay. And I'll set it up and I try to figure out how to get the action to where it doesn't buzz. But here's an idea too. You could bring a guitar. Let's say you raise the action to where it sounds the way you want. And you brought it to me and said, hey, I love the way this guitar sounds. I've raised the action. But what I need is the lower action to sound like this. And that lets me know what kind of player you're like. Okay, I need you need lower action, but no buzzing. I gotcha. So that's what I would work on is experimenting with that. Uh, Sam says, I'm thinking of making a website where you can compare neck. I saw this. You sent an email about this. Uh, your email was very engaging. However, I didn't have a quick answer. So it got put in a folder. That's what happens to the questions that are just a little too long to answer. They get in a folder. And then when I get my free time in the afternoon or something, I'll pull those questions out. So uh, Sam, your question. So Sam, what Sam was working on or is working on is a website where you can compare necks to each other in a 3D uh, model kind of environment. Is it a good idea? The problem I had with your idea was I didn't know other than putting advertising on the website, I didn't know how to monetize this. I think you said briefly in the, the description that, you know, money's not really a concern. I think I got that. Maybe I gleaned that from something, but, um, it's a good idea. The problem is, I mean, you know, it's not just the idea, it's how well it's executed. And then you got to get people to go there. I mean, the, the things you have to think about, Sam, that sucks is somebody will say to me exactly what you'll say. They'll say, I want to do this thing and I really don't care if I make any money. Well, one thing you have to think about is you got to get people to go to it. I mean, you build it. It's, it's like making a video. It's no different. You made this thing and now you want people to use it. Even if you want people to use something for free, believe it or not, it costs money to get them to go there. How will they know this exists, right? Um, and so that's one of the things you have to think about is it has to be monetized to some degree because how do you get people to, to know it exists, your website exists, and you're going to need to advertise that. And that means you're going to pay out of pocket because if you build it, you know, the saying, if you build it, they will come. Uh, I don't think that works. I think if you build it, there's a small chance, but I would bet you right now, there's a ton of people watching right now that also have small businesses and also have smaller channels and stuff. And they're nodding right now going, yeah, I'm trying to get more people to what I'm doing too. So, and that's the other thing too, is it's not even just letting people know that you're doing it. It's all the competition. And in your case, it doesn't seem like a whole lot of competition. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I like your idea. I just don't know if I have any advice on how you could execute it any better, but, um, or how you could execute it better than what you're saying. I think the idea is great. I mean, it's one of those things, like I guess it would be something I would refer to people to. Maybe that's how you get people there. But 
But the importance, I think what you're looking for is just whether or not I, I thought the idea was valid. I think any information on the internet that helps people make decisions or understand what they're doing with guitar is going to have some value. Um, Ben says thoughts on flipping PRS on flipping PRS 2408 SE neck pickups. Okay. So the SE slugs are on the inside core and Paul's are both face the neck. Thus the single is, uh, spaced differently is one tellyish, the other stratish. I've never noticed where the slugs were. Um, on the guitars and why that was, I mean, so, you know, the original reason why screws were towards the bridge and the neck was, uh, Seth Lover said he just did it cause it, he thought it looked better that way. So it wasn't made a choice on coil splitting. Obviously, you know, sometimes they're coil splitting a certain pickup and they want it in a certain, they want the inner coils or the outer coils based on that. Um, and with PRS, depending on the guitar, but a lot of times the PRS, you got to understand the SE guys, believe it or not, what's really cool. something that they did, which is, I think is becoming, I don't want to say they originated the idea because I can't really claim that. But what I can say is that they, I noticed that they were doing it and I see it more and more now. This idea that when they're making something like the SE, you're seeing PRS take this idea of, okay, let's not worry about making exactly like the core. Let's make it to where it sounds and plays really good. And if that means we have to change a couple specs in it, it's not just about changing it. So it's not the same as the USA model. It's about changing it. So it's, it has a, a better shot of making the customer happy. So they may have made choices like what you're talking about for on purpose, but yeah, thoughts about uh, swapping them. I mean, you can, I mean, I haven't put much thought into it. It doesn't really hurt it to do it. <laughs> um, El Scorcho <laughs> says, Hey, Will my 2009, oh, just says 09, so I'm going to say 2009. Will my 09 Les Paul Silverburst ever turn green? Yes. My guess is this. Trogley says yes, because it's uh, the lacquer aging. I called Gibson. They said no, because the paint was changed by 09. Um, changed, <clears throat> look, changed to what? If it's lacquer, it yellows. So the question is, is it, you're saying it's a Gibson, right? You said, you're saying 09 Les Paul Silverburst. If yours is an Epiphone, it's not going to change. It's polyurethane. It's not going to change. It'll be silver forever and ever and ever and ever. If it is a Gibson and it is, and it is nitrocellulose lacquer, it will green. How will it green? We don't know because, like I said, they do change formulas. There's things that they change. I'm not a paint guy. Remember, I, don't, I, don't, I only tell you general things. But I am a guitar guy. And as a guitar guy, I know what things look like when they age based on the finish. And so... The, que the answer to your question is super easy. If it is lacquer, it will green because it will yellow, which will turn green. Um, and if it is poly, it'll stay the same. That's as simple as that is. And if you don't know, <laughs> well, one, I just told you if it's an Epiphone. Um, but if you're not sure, you can use a black light. You can buy a black light off Amazon and uh, put, put it on the finish and see if it glows. If it glows, it's nitro lacquer. If you don't want to buy a black light, the other technique I use that's really easy is I usually use my thumb. You can use a finger too, but your thumb. I, I pick a spot maybe on the side of the neck, uh, maybe in the body, and I essentially, um, uh, just like on this phone right here, I just kind of rub right? With a little bit of force. Um, I'm, what I'm trying to do is make heat, right? Just think of it that way. Like, you know how you rub something to warm it up? I try to warm, I, I try to go to a finish and I, I just rub really fast 
I'm doing it right now because I'm trying to think how long, because now it's starting to get warm right now. So maybe 10 seconds, right? I don't know, something like that. I mean, obviously your thumb, your when your thumb is warm, <laughs> you've done enough. Um, and then what you do is try to see if it feels sticky, uh, like tacky, like, uh, and if it is, it's most likely lacquer. If it's poly, it'll, it'll, it'll be warm, but it won't feel different. Uh, lacquer feels a little bit more sticky, uh, and or tacky if it is warm. So that's another way to test it. And it doesn't harm anything. That wouldn't harm anything. <laughs> Don't do it for an hour, but you don't understand. Just that's a good test. Um, Brosif B, I don't know, Behemoth, Bros, I think that's what a Brosif Behemoth says. Hey, Phil, I'm looking at a Music Man Cutlass. How do they compare to the PRS Silver Sky and Fender Custom Shop? The, the, totally different animals, in my opinion. All three of those guitars are great, but uh, totally different animals. And without, since we're on a verbal show and I can't show you audibly what they sound like and talk about the pickups and the tones and all this stuff, let's just talk about the necks because that's a huge part. To me... They are night and day different on the next. The, the out of the three guitars, again, when you say Fender Custom Shop, most of the custom shops are going to be the 50s, 60s reissues, maybe a 70s reissue, you know, uh, stuff. You're not going to see a whole lot of modern custom shop stuff. So with the more modern neck profile, but um, some of them will use like a 60s neck profile, some a 50s neck profile. Um, that being said, none of those, in my opinion, are as small and as thin as the Cutlass. The Cutlass is the fastest, smallest neck. Like if you like small necks, go Cutlass. Um, Silver Sky, uh, it'll be in there like the 50s era custom Fender Custom Shops, a little on the chunkier side. Not chunky, but chunkier. Obviously, that rounded fretboard radius, uh, um, uh, seven and a quarter. And um, so I would think of like the Cutlass as the modern guitar, very sleek, you know, feels comfortable, kind of smaller, smaller neck. Silver Sky, Kind of a modern take on a Fender, but still has some of the Fender-esque kind of chunky, chunkier neck feel, but feels good. And um, also keep in mind the Silver Sky, especially the modern ones, if you're not talking about the SE, they're going to have a nitro lacquer kind of finish on them, and this thin finish on the neck and on the body. So lacquer, just like the Fender's going to be lacquer. So that if you like lacquer, it's great. If you don't and you think it's sticky, back to the Cutlass. The Cutlass will be a polyurethane of some sort. Um, so that's how I would separate them is those three. But focus on the next because that is where I think most players will either love or hate those guitars. Uh, Michael says, if the sound of an amp fluctuates, changes during playing, does the higher quality of more expensive amps sound? Fuck. Sounds like to me, they, you have a bad tube or you have a problem. The, the, the uh, sound should not fluctuate uh, you know, and change during play, playing. It's very common for tube amplifiers when you're playing for the volume to drop and come back up or sag a little bit, or even darken the tone a little, get a little you know, kind of muffled like this and then come back. A lot of times that's tubes. It could be components going bad or that are bad. But, you know, the great thing about tube amps is that, um, uh, say eight, I really kind of feel like it's nine, but eight out of 10 times it's a tube issue. So you want to chase the tube, uh, the problem. So I don't think it's a, you need a more expensive amp. I think your amp's having an issue with its tubes. Uh, Mark says, Hey, I have a Squire par paranormal offset Telecaster. Think about replacing the pickups into blues, jazz, funk, rock, <laughs> and everything. I'm into everything, but metal, uh, thinking humbuckers, P90s, thoughts on pickups, electronics. You know, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, you, uh, you obviously blues, jazz, funk, classic rock. Uh, you're looking for something that's versatile, uh, pickup that's versatile. 
Um, so I would stay away from the high gain pickups and the extremely low gain pickups. Uh, stick to things that are in the middle and that produce, um, you know, like a, it's a Telecaster, but you said P90s. Thinking humbuckers or P90s. I like P90s in that guitar. I would do P90s, like even if they're humbucker sized. That'd be kind of cool. But I would think, like I said, think uh, mid-output pickups. Stay away from the high-output pickups and the uh, extremely low-output pickups, and that will give you more versatile stuff. Uh, Steven, thank you for the super sticker. Anthony says, hey, Phil, whatever happened to Tim, just Tim, and did we ever uh, reveal? No, I, God, I remember Tim, just Tim. Uh, I don't know. You know what it is? Sometimes people are on the show and they like ask questions and stuff or and they I see them every week and then I don't see them and then I see them back again. And so, yeah, I don't know. Tim, just Tim. That's a throwback. Uh, Volk Hammer says, hey, Phil, I was too late for the GX1, so bummed. Uh, last week you mentioned a Kiesel that has a similar 80s round. Which model Kiesel were you referring to? 80s round? You mean like the neck? I would say... Here's the problem. Uh, so let, let me just give you this. If you were looking for the Badlands guitar at Kiesel, you would want to go with the Aries model, in my opinion, without the bevel cut and obviously Floyd. And then if you went with a standard neck, it would be close, but it would be thinner than the Badlands. If you go with their thick neck, their chunk, their, it will be thicker. <laughs> right i mean that's kind of like i said we we kind of picked a neck profile um that we were like yeah that's it that's the neck right so i mean i really feel like we got it a lot of my friends have picked you know actually the comment i get most about this guitar from friends when they pick up the the, the badlands neck is they go oh it's not as thin as i was thinking it was going to be and i'm like yeah every single one of them no no exception i swear they go oh it's not as thin as i thought it was gonna be and after a minute, they go, oh, it feels really good. Like, I thought it was like, for a second, I thought it was chunky, but it's not chunky neck. It's thin. And I go, yeah, it's, it's, it's like I said, it's in the middle. Um, but I think if you got the, uh, the Aries uh, non-bevel, you know, model, you're and get their pointy headstock. I mean, you're pretty close to what we have, which is why we did it the way we did it. Because again, that's, I'm working on ordering an Aries right now as we speak. I want orange pickups. <laughs> Michael says, hey. Pick up bobbins. Why do most humbuckers have a row of screws and a row of flat bobbins? You rarely, if ever, see screws on singles. Um, well, I mean, the screws were about adjusting the height. I mean, that's what that was really about. They wanted to be able to adjust the height uh, of this of the, the pickup. Um, there are dual uh, dual rolls that are slugs. The um, the Badlands pickup. That's I know it's so much Badlands talk, but it's just a good reference, so it's information. The Badlands pickup that's in those guitars, the ones we use, that is, they're two rows of slugs. We don't have uh, screw pieces on them. Um, obviously, because we want to put the plastic cover on them and we want it to go flat. Um, but, uh, so why do humbuckers have it? I mean, again, it's just so you can adjust the height. Um, uh, same thing, uh, single coils, uh, why don't they have screws? Um, well, a lot of times they just set the slugs different depths, but there are pickups with screws. Usually they're Allen screws of some sort, but there are screws, single coils with screws. So... It's just, again, it's one of those things where I don't think I would get too focused on that. Um, you know, I always like, you see the Invader by Seymour Duncan. It's got those big screws in there, right? 
I find in pickups, I mean, again, generally speaking, um, and pickups like blade style pickups definitely have a difference in my, to my, to my ear and the way I perceive when I play having a big, you know, one big essentially slug sideways, like the magnet, you know, like a bar versus, you know, individual slugs that seems to have an effect I notice, but like, do I notice like slugs versus screws tone wise? I don't really notice. A lot of times I can't notice when the, the heights are been adjusted. It's really hard to notice that too. I actually, what's really cool is my wife, again, working on stuff. Um, as you guys know, I have this huge pickup collection and um, she wanted me to do something. So I'm doing this for Instagram right now. Maybe it'll do something I'll do on YouTube, but uh, we'll be p- like a pickup of the day. She wants me to pick up, take a pickup off the wall because a lot of them are on the wall, but some are in drawers. Take a pickup and then maybe talk about it for 60 seconds about what's unique about it. So maybe this will be helpful when I do that, because like I said, my collection of pickups is insane. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's, I might, our joke, our joke is literally no one can drive by my house uh, and their compass work. Because in fact, uh, uh, we even make the joke. Everybody could find my house. If you just drive through neighborhoods in Arizona and <laughs> all of a sudden your compass starts spinning, uh, that's my house with 6,000 magnets in it. Uh, baked Alaska. Thank you for the super chat. So Dylan talks tone says the Chapman British made solution is a good example of a need for caution when considering scaling. So what he's talking about is I saw Chapman made the announcement that, uh, you know, they're having an issue with the British made series. Some shop was building them and now they're not building them. So, so, so let's, let's again, talk about that. Um, we, and very clear, the, the guitars that we have built in California, they have more capacity. So, so, you know, we even, they even hired a new person. They have a new, we actually were responsible for getting somebody a job. So somebody, we employed a, uh, a U.S. American. <laughs> I say that because every time I say American, somebody's like, you mean like North America? Yeah. United States. So, um, Here's what's interesting uh, about this. Um, what what we did is a little different. We had the ability, like I said, we could have made a hundred. So I'm just explaining the, to the, the caution of the Chapman thing. We could have made a hundred. We chose, like I said, to keep it under control, um, and we're never going to scale up because, again, we know that the business model is framed in a way that we could have a 50 piece run. And then we could have a three piece run. We just know that those are the examples that are happening. What I maybe didn't explain, which is kind of an interesting thing. And this is, again, I'm clear. I kind of discussed with so many things are clear to talk about this thing. Probably I wasn't clear to talk about, but I'll tell you one of the reasons why we have the models already figured out is we have it set up almost like a YouTube channel model. In other words, on YouTube, you post a video. You never know what's going to work, right? You post a video like, five things you don't know about this guitar pick that I love, <laughs> right? And the ne- and it does great. <laughs> and you're like, woo, it's killing. And then the next video is called, if you thought that pick was crazy, where do you see this pick? And like eight people click on it and nobody watches it. And so when you have a video that does well, um, I like the term, let it breathe. So some of you guys have seen that on my channel. There's all kinds of tra- strategies on YouTube. Uh, some strategies are they don't put out a video every damn day. <laughs> every day there's a video and uh, God bless them. 
Some channels put out videos when they feel like it. Some channels uh, put out uh, videos for other reasons. Um, I have videos already ready. And sometimes what happens is I'll put out a video and it's killing. And I look at my analytics and they're killing and everybody's happy and you guys are watching it and more viewers are going to watch it in the next day or so. And I let it ride. Like I said, I let it breathe. And then when I see the video start to decline and I don't see people watching that video as much, then we release another video. That's how it works. It's always been done that way. So that's kind of how we think of things. So we let it breathe. The business model for this guitar company works the same way. If we release the next model and we sell three, just so you know, we were ready for this. With this model, the first Badlands, if we sold three, I told you guys on that first show, we might sell three. If we would have sold three, well, I can tell you exactly what happened. Everybody would have got those guitars in about two to three weeks. Well, I mean, soon. And then the next model would come out. We'd have it ready to go. We were already ready, like I said. So that's why I'm saying uh, difference in the business model that way. The reality is we're not doing imports. So this is how the business model works. This is, we have no interest in the imports um, and us doing them. So, uh, so that's why, like I said, it's slightly different. On the Chapman thing, I, I don't understand the Chapman thing. So <laughs> um, I wanna, I'm want i going to be very clear. I was uh, When I saw that announcement today, I just should be honest about this. When I saw the announcement today about Chapman's British-made guitars, something of shops closing, I had no idea they were making those. I thought that was something they did a few years ago, and I thought, I thought that had already stopped. I was totally shocked by that. I must, I obviously can't pay attention to everything. Like I said, it's a bandwidth issue. I had no idea that they were still making some higher end Chapman guitars. So I didn't know. But um, like I said, the, uh, there's also, unfortunately, I can't, there's things I can't talk about. And one of the things I can't talk about is why I know why we have, uh, again, <laughs> I have a, Let's just say we have it set up so we're, we we can hit. I can't talk about it. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Like I said, it's just I guess to say that that concern isn't a concern we have. Um. Brian says, "Did you? I guess no." Says, "Did you Ola's Solar Europe custom Ola uh, Solar has a custom shop? You know, Ola reached out and said." Congratulations on the company. I thought that was very nice. I had a very shocking experience. I had a bunch of companies. Uh, Kiesel reached out and and said, you know, congratulations. And East uh, Eastwood Guitars reached out and said congratulations. And it was really shocking. <laughs> I was like, whoa, well, that, thanks. And very nice. And uh, it was really cool. Um, Richard wants to know, oh, uh, do, do you have prototypes of the next four Badlands models? We have... So many guitars designed are ready to go. <laughs> it's insane. So um, we are, we have one benefit that is very nice. We are exactly like when you see these behind the scenes on the bands writing an album. We're one of those bands where like, we have 50 hit songs and we're just figuring out which ones come first. That's exactly. So when I say we have four or five, that's when I say four or five, I mean, those are the four or five we picked to be first, but we already had everything done. Um, and then we just pick which ones we think are going to do in order and almost like strategy, just like in song launches, we think this one will do good first. We think this one will do good second. I mean, there's a strategy to why we think the release of ones will do well. Uh, let's see. 
Speed for Hire says, Ola just copied Washburn, not original. You know, actually, so you know, that's not entirely true. Uh, you know, I could say, argue, of course, easily. Everyone copied everybody in this industry to some degree. Uh, you know, besides maybe Fender <laughs> and even him. But um, Ola, that wasn't what happened. If you guys remember, Ola was with uh, Washburn and they were making his model. I was a Washburn dealer. I remember carrying those Washburns that look like Solars in the store. So I know I bought Washburns that looked exactly like Solars in the store from Washburn. He did not do, what he did was um, Washburn had decided, again, I was a dealer. So this isn't like a hearsay, like I heard a rumor on Reddit. I was a dealer. <laughs> Washburn told us one day, like, we're not making electrics. We're just going to make acoustics. The money's in acoustics because um, Washburn got purchased. And they were they're going to push acoustics. They also had a gazillion skews of, a skews of acoustics. And as a dealer, it was sucks because we sold a lot of Washburns. And it was hard. You could never get the Washburns you wanted in stock. So they were like, look, we're going to go focus on acoustics. No different than Ford going, we're going to make trucks and SUVs and ditch cars. It was like, Washburn's like, we're going to make acoustics. Obviously, they had the... Uh, uh, the Michael Sweet and the Nuno Court series uh, USA guitars, they shut down the USA shop, okay? Those guitars are built by a third party. Those, so, you know, if you buy a Nuno Court Washburn guitar, it's built the same way essentially a Badlands is. It's ghost built by another company, right? So Washburn doesn't physically build those guitars, okay? Those are built by another person for them, just like how we do it. Um, this whole industry is riddled with that. It's why we knew to execute on it. We like to call it domestic outsourcing. It's like how everybody has the idea. Like, hey, let's go to China and have guitars made. We were like, well, why don't we just have guitars made right here in the United States? We could do that. So we call it domestic outsourcing. So, um, with Ola, what happened was they, they, they decided not to do the electric guitars anymore. They were going to do acoustics. They may have kept a few here or there models that were the hot sellers or entry level guitars, usually probably based on the kind of strategy that worked best for their dealer network. Ola basically said, Hey, I want to keep making these guitars. So essentially they worked out some kind of deal and that's why he did it. So he kind of overtook the brand and rebranded it. Um, I could probably, maybe hopefully one day I can interview Ola. I would love to get him on the channel. Maybe he should do a podcast where I interview him. I would love to do o Ola uh, interview and ask him specifically about that story. I bet you I got most of it right. There's probably a few things he'll go, no, nah, not quite on that part, but but like I said, generally speaking, that's the way it was presented to me as a dealer at the time, what was happening. So I just want to be clear with that. And then, of course, the diehard Olas were, uh, fans will probably know a little bit more. But like I said, I would love, um, I would love um, uh, to interview him. I think that'd be an interesting story because, like I said, uh, he saw an opportunity and he basically, he bet his ass on it, by the way. I mean, that was obvious. Um, he... You know, it could have went really bad. <laughs> he, could have, he could have invested his money and time into that, and it could have literally um, kind of not worked out. So good, good on him. I'm glad it worked out for him. Uh, okay, Steve uh, says, hey, can you put a neck humbucker in the bridge or a bridge humbucker in the neck? Absolutely. Uh, uh, ask Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> Why are the differences in design differently, uh, you rock? Um so uh, let's look at just the the, the biggest, uh, uh, you know, kind of offender of the strategy of how pickups should be applied to guitars, and it's Eddie Van Halen, right? If you look at the Wolfgang series of guitars uh, by EVH, um, the neck pickup is a higher output than the bridge pickup. Um, and my favorite, uh, favorite story ever happened with that is that when you buy 
a set of Wolfgang pickups <laughs> uh, from EVH. The um, one of the one of the wires is longer than the other and the, the wrong way. I think it's like the, the bridge wire is longer than the neck. And I, it's not obviously because the switch is there, but just like a Les Paul, um, it's like they did it because it throws people off. Because if you check them, you go, wait a minute, the high output pickup, you know, is the neck and, and the low output is the bridge. And it is that way. Uh, so essentially what happens is there's a couple reasons why they did what they did. All, all pickup manufacturers, right? Um, let's start with the easiest way to look at this Originally, pickups were the same. So whether it be single coil pickups, uh, Fender, all three pickups were the same. Same winding, same output, same. They didn't really kind of wind the bridge hotter like we see now. There was not a strategy to do so. Uh, humbuckers were the same. They just shoved one in the neck and shoved one in the bridge, and this is how it went, right? Um, which is really cool in this pickup series I'm going to do on Instagram. There's a little cool story behind one of that, that actually piece right there. But um, so they just did it that way. Over time, maybe through feedback from musicians, maybe just design, they learned that you need to put a higher output pickup in the bridge. And the reason is, is because obviously when the string uh, moves, when you hit it, it's um, it basically the, you need a stronger magnetic field where the, the string is closer to the bridge and you need less of a magnetic field where the string is closest to the neck. And one of the benefits of this, I mean, keep in mind is, you know, they were kind of like, if you look at the original Les Paul on the switch, it doesn't make any sense. It was like the bridge is rhythm and the note, right? Is that backwards? Yeah, the neck is rhythm and the bridge is lead. But if you look at most guitar players today, we're the exact opposite. We use the neck pickup for lead playing, right? And you use clean, for, you know, your neck pickup for clean. And if you're playing distortion, your neck is your lead and your bridge is your rhythm. But they had kind of reversed that logic. They were thinking you're going to play rhythm on the neck and then lead because it's brighter on the bridge. Um, so that was why the change happened. They started changing the bridge pickups and strats that way too, uh, a little hotter. Um, the John Mayer Silver Sky, if you watch my review, I believe the, the core Silver Sky or the USA one, they do all three pickups should be the same. I think the readings are slightly off, but I mean, they're supposed to be the same. That's our target. So to answer your question, can you swap it? Absolutely. <laughs> In fact, uh, you know how many guitar players out there have swap pickup? Famous guitar players from famous songs have things that are wrong all the time. Because it's, you know, for a long time, there wasn't like F spacing for bridge. And there wasn't this, all this stuff. I mean, people just pulled stuff out and stuck it back in guitars, even guitar techs, and just did it all kinds of weird. There was no internet resource, no manuals. Um, I mean, think about this. There wasn't even pickups. There wasn't aftermarket parts. So... So to answer your question, you can do it however you want, but typically there is a reason there is the way it's done. The majority of the time is going to be kind of a good guidance guideline. I do not follow it for all things. So, you know, I have guitars where the high uh, neck is higher output than bridge and I have guitars where they're the same. Most of my guitars are the same. Just something I learned. I liked. So, um, I will, if I put a JB in the bridge, I'll stick a JB in the neck. If I put a 59 in the bridge, I'll put it in the neck. I do that a lot. Um, I just stick it. <laughs> just If I like a pickup, I just put it in the bridge and then I put it in the neck and the same guitar and I just call it a day. I just like it that way. Um, Burrello Head. Burrello Head says, uh, I think it's Burrello. Uh, it says, uh, F spacing, is that important? Um well, the theory behind F spacing is obviously it's it's 
for a tremolo system, right, or a Floyd Rose, and uh, the, the spacing is wider, the string spacing is wider than on a hardtail bridge or like a Les Paul style bridge. And therefore the slugs have been, I think it's like 53 millimeters versus 51 millimeters. 51, it's like 51.1, 53.1, whatever, but it's 53 millimeters versus 51 millimeters. And um, that widened spacing uh, helps line them up under the strings, obviously a la Eddie Van Halen tilting the pickup sideways to kind of line the strings up with the screws kind of logic. Um, a lot of players just did that, you know what I mean? Kind of, you know, pivoted things and try to line them up. Does it help? It's, it's they say it does. I can't tell. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you know, part of the problem is, you know, I, I think it has to do with what you have gear wise. So if you have an old Marshall Plexi and no boost pedals and you're like, I'm trying to get a little more gain on this thing. You're like, I need a super distortion and F space. So it sustains better. I mean, sure. That makes sense. But if you're running through an amp that's creating its own distortion, do you really need the pickup, you know, to, to push that little bit over? Do you need all these other things? I mean, no, I don't think so. Um, um, I, I will tell you, and again, cause I always kind of like to tell you what I do and you know, that's an easy thing to follow. Cause you can go, uh, I can tell you my experiences with that. If I was buying a pickup right now for one of my guitars, let's say uh, a guitar with a Floyd or a tremolo, if I was buying a DiMaggio or Seymour Duncan pickup right now, um, or like a Sir pickup, like a Pete Thorne, would I pick uh, an F-spaced uh, or tremolo-spaced pickup um, for the bridge? I do. I, I click it. I, that's the one I would purchase. However, if I was like, oh, they're out of stock and all they have is the non-tremolo uh, space pickup, I'd just buy that. Like, I wouldn't wait. I'd be like, eh, I'll just stick that in there. I don't care. <laughs> because half my tremolo guitars probably have the wrong pickups in them anyways. Uh, not because I put them in there, just even the factory ship them that way kind of wrong. So, there you go. All right. We did it. Did I? I th right? We did it, right? Oh, I have, um, hold on. I have one last super chat I missed. Um, it's not even from last week. It's from the week before. I felt horrible. I got most of the ones last week, and then I missed his. This is from uh, Jedi Sparky. I think that's Jedi Sparky. He says, hey, uh, what does he say? Oh, did he ask the question today? It was about construction uh, screws versus uh, flush pole pieces. I think I answered your question already. I'm sorry, buddy. I was trying to get to it and then I, I missed it. All right. On that note, I want to thank everybody for hanging out and everybody for the super chats and everybody for the support and you know, hanging, doing whatever you're doing and playing guitar and being part of the community. It's pretty fun. Um, I'll see you guys soon. Uh, like I said, thank you again to the everybody who entered the contest for the PRS stuff. That was really cool. Like I said, we have more. Um, I was looking at the stuff she has downstairs uh, today. It was pretty cool. A lot of cool stuff like I said, I'm excited about. Um, like I said, we're trying to find unique things to do giveaways. Not so much like, hey, we just got this from a company, but stuff like kind of like the PRS thing, stuff you either can't get or it's hard to get to make it a little bit more exciting and fun for you guys. And as always, uh, man, thank you guys so much for hanging out. Go play some guitar, spend some time with your family and friends. And until next Friday, uh, know your gear. All right.